Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 309, Oscar Wrap-Up. It was really, really exciting. What a great time that was. Dude. Really fun. I got to say, it was so, like, you guys... You, you comedy film nerd fans, fans of the show, you guys delivered. Yes. Because Rabble uh, TV came to us, and uh, this guy Christopher at Rabble TV was really, mm-hmm. like, sought us out, a couple other yes. podcasts out, specifically because he knew that this is sort of like, this is our Super Bowl. This is right. our thing that we uh-huh. talk about. And, and he was just blown away. You know, there were several thousand of you guys listening. Yep. Um, when we would do the... And apparently you guys also broke a counter. I was looking at the uh, um, comments on Rabble, and it said, yeah, it stopped counting after, like, it hit 999 on a, somewhere. Yeah, like, like you, <laughs> they, they weren't used to this much traffic. Right, uh-huh. When, towards the end, because so many of you were listening and paying attention, when we would do the questions, the, the giveaways at the commercial breaks, it would lock up the site. right. Which is like was awesome, and they were like, "We've never seen this." Right, it's it's great, you and guys. We want to. We can't thank you guys enough for guys, showing up, being supportive, and, and you made it a party. I mean, that's what we wanted. Yeah, we wanted to just sit and talk uh, about the Oscars. You know, talk about oh, this movie's great. Make fun of people. It was right. awesome. <laughs> it was like, and the comments you guys made really funny too. Were hilarious, and mm. also you guys helped us there were some times we like asked some question like wait right. who? no you guys answered you guys yeah. answered, well, oh mm-hmm. okay that's who that right that's who that person was mm-hmm. or whatever so yeah because no one knew uh who the fox news person was. <laughs> no one knew because that was funny like i think um some people made jokes like that they were i don't know like i forget the joke that i saw on on twitter that was like oh you know she's um, she, people are so mad that they, they couldn't even laugh at that joke or something. I was like, I don't know if that was it. It's just, it's all liberals. None of them watch Fox news. No, no, no nobody no, in that no theater one knew who the person watch was. Fox news. They had no idea. It made the news how flat that joke that fell. That joke just went thump. Cause everyone, I did it. I went, who's this chick? Yeah, I, don't know. I didn't get the joke. I don't know who mm-hmm. she was because I don't watch Fox news. Yeah. I only know the two assholes, O'Reilly and Hannity. I only know those two shitheads. And yeah. those are the only guys. I mean, to be fair, there's more. There's more. There's a yeah. lot more shit heads on that show yeah. that that network is and megan kelly because uh that she's fighting with trump that's who you, you yeah that's the, one that's the one fox where she's like really this this uh um you know nazi wet dream is the uh <laughs> is the is the one that i've got to root for because she's taking on it's like two psychopaths fighting each other yeah for a, a loaf of bread yeah for- <laughs> get more uh wing nuts to join their ridiculous party um but it was uh it was amazing we really appreciate you guys showing up rabble was really happy we had a blast blast. and uh the comments too at the end were hilarious like who's gonna be the last one to leave there's like a couple really good rabble comments like like after it was over and then uh uh, a bunch of comments about why don't uh you guys just keep eating and then (laughs) i'm sorry about the eating thing we gotta we gotta address that yeah so it's it was nonstop because yeah. we were doing commentary during the commercial breaks, right? And give, doing the giveaways and everything, so we had to like. We finally were like, we got to eat, right? And we ran in there and we're grabbing slices of pizza, and then we're like, oh shit, the commercial break's over, so we had to sit down. The mistake we made, we didn't push the microphones far enough away, <laughs> that or mute just, them, or mute them. Well, we yeah. had no control over that. Yeah, but um, but we could have gone. Hey, we could have said to the booth, "Can you mute our mics while the, we shove food in our but, face?" <laughs> well, yeah, but, we then, but then we would like chime in between bites, like right. we, we still couldn't <laughs> shut up. So then all of a sudden, all the message board had nothing to what we we're saying. We're like, no, oh, that's that pizza. So, what we're saying is the technology hasn't been invented yet 
for us to be able to um, eat and talk and turn it off at the same time. Well, so, or- you know, maybe one of you geniuses out there could invent a button that shuts off a microphone, and then we'll use it next time. That's a great point, Chris. Uh, (laughs) What I would add to this is there is technology to make vegan smoothies. Right. (laughs) And I I would have gladly just slurped down a vegan smoothie versus this. I literally, I said this on the drive home. I was like, ah, I ate pizza two days in a row. It's too many carbs. I said that. To who? You were driving by yourself. I yelled it out the window. (laughs) There was a homeless guy, and he looked like he was carb loading. Did he agree? Yeah, he told you that, dude. Yeah. (laughs) But he had a marathon tomorrow, so he was. <laughs> I talk to myself. Yeah, I have that, yes. right? I always put my ear- headphones in when I drive, so people don't think I'm crazy. Right. <laughs> just you know, just one, just one, yeah. and then uh, and then if people ever catch me, I say, "Oh, I'm a comedian. I'm working. Yeah, I'm working on a bit. I'm working yeah. on a bit. Yeah, about a guy that walks around and talks to himself because he's nuts. Right. Um. <laughs> so let's introduce our guest. Well, or you want to do the ad? Oh, we shit. got an ad. We yeah, got a sponsor. We got to pay some bills. Uh, All yeah. right, let's do that. Uh, we are really happy to have uh, Casper Mattresses back as the sponsor for this episode. Really, really uh, great sponsor. And one of the things I really love about them too is that there's no um, there's no risk. You get a mattress delivered to your home. Not only is it a great price, it's a great technology. But if you don't like it, you send it back. I literally, I as I've talked about, I have one of these mattresses. I love it. Uh, I was traveling last week. I went uh, to the Midwest for one of my nephew's birthdays. Mm-hmm. Hotel beds are very much a crapshoot. Yes, and you never know. The thing, you know, airplanes and time changes and hotel beds, uh, the thing I look forward to the most, uh, second to surfing, is uh, my Casper mattress when awesome. I get back. Because it's a mix of latex foam and memory foam. They are made here in America. And these prices are amazing. It's, you know, you're going to pay $1,500 sometimes for a mattress. Not at Casper. $500 for a twin size, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full size, $850 for queen, and $950 for king. But wait a minute now, Chris. That's not the price you're going to pay. Of course not. Not if you listen to this program. <laughs> a robot yeah. that listens to a program on Tuesday. Um and other words that old people pronounce wrong. <laughs> uh, you can save $50, Chris. I can. I, well, you, how do I get on this wow. trolley? <laughs> I'll show you how you get on this trolley. Uh, if you purchase a mattress, you visit casper.com slash comedy film nerds and uh, use promo code uh, comedy film nerds. You save 50 bucks. Nice. So you could get a king mattress for nine bills. But what if uh, I don't like it in 10 days? What can I do? You can send it back up to 100 days. Wow, that's amazing. Our guest is nodding about this. But He's he, thinking about getting a Casper mattress. You know, he, it's no risk to him. No, no skin <laughs> no, off his back. Coming on the show just saved him $50. Exactly. He's not getting an appearance fee, but he's definitely getting $50 yeah. in a bottled water. Yeah. Hello. Yes. It's more than you get, <laughs> you know, to do shows in L.A. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I've gotten considerably less yes. to perform in this city. Um, so, yeah, guys, go to castormattresses.com slash comedy film nerds. Use our coupon code comedy film nerds. Save 50 bucks. Uh, you can try the mattress out for 100 days and save, send it back. Uh, ship Free shipping if you don't like it. All right, sleep, work it. Sleep, work it. Hashtag sleep, work it. All right, so let's bring on our guest, a very special guest. First time guest. First time guest. Um, the Only the second earbuds crew person, I think, to be on the show. We've had Dave Schmidt, who did the sound and sound mixing. Uh, actually, no, it's been more than that, because we've had Dave on, 
We've right. had Keith on. Keith on. And we've had Kimberly on. Kimberly and on. And we've had Joseph on. Oh, well, I'm an asshole then. Yeah. So this, I guess this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Then who cares? Uh, I thought it was special. Apparently, apparently I'm an asshole. And this is just another one of these guys that so, worked yeah. in this movie. Yeah. So close. He's the fifth. Okay. So. Hey, I was born on the fifth. Lucky yeah. number. Um, but no, he uh, has been doing color correction for the film. We're going to get into that later, what that whole process is. We're going to get into mm-hmm. earbuds. But ladies and gentlemen, Tawan Baysmore. Hello. Thanks for doing the show. <laughs> yeah. We're going to really get into color correction and all that stuff because a lot of people, the fans, don't know what it is. And a lot of fans uh, ask, too, like, they love that inside, like, Hollywood, like, stuff that happens behind the scenes and how movies actually get made. So it's we're really excited so, to hear it. So, Juan, what you, so don't get too technical. Don't, don't, uh, I'll, I'll try not to. Yeah. But you were saying when, when before we started this, the show, we were like, a lot of people don't don't know what it is and we're like a lot of people in the business don't know what it is and you said well yeah a lot of people in the business outside the business do not know what a colorist is and i can tell you how many times people thought i actually do hair (laughs) 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 i mean i mean how how do you how do you meet a woman in a bar and go hey um yeah, my name is Tawan, such and such. And she goes, oh, yeah, I do this. And what do you do? I'm like, I'm a colorist. She goes, oh, okay. Um, I'm not really interested. Because she thinks I do hair. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, why is a gay guy hitting on me? Is that what she just said? <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. You have to very, very specific on that answer. What do you do? I'm a film, not hair colorist. Yeah, you yes. got to. You know what I started saying? It kind of sounds a little sexier. I was like, I'm a digital colorist. Oh, oh nice. nice. So then they think you I do I mean, because robot how do I do... Yeah, robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, you work for Disneyland. Yeah. So. <laughs> but then you, you, uh, you also did... Um, Micah Wright, a friend of mine from college, yes. you're doing his movie, which is called... They're Watching. They're Watching, which is a, like a horror comedy. I've seen it. We're actually going to get Micah on the show. Oh, that'd be oh, great. That's awesome. The movie's mm-hmm. coming out. Chris, you'll be, I've seen it. You're going to be able to get a copy. We're I'd love gonna, to see it. Get into that. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. It just shows you the small Yeah, world. you got to see the new one that I colored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so funny. <laughs> Post-production people are so proprietary. Mm-hmm. Over their what their th- whatever their thing is because like uh, it's very true it's very <laughs> it's very true because I said oh I saw I saw that movie and 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 Tawan was like when did you see it oh I saw it back he go oh no no that, that wasn't yeah, my yeah. version so yeah. it didn't count like, <laughs> it's like hearing a sound mix before the know, sound mix no, no, that's you a, didn't really hear no, the movie that wasn't the right yeah. movie you didn't I hear mean it. because the color was all right. And I don't want you to rethink, okay, well, yeah, we did hire him to color, but I saw Micah's film. I don't know if I want him to finish. So, <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, that wasn't my color. Well, here's where you're safe. It's an independent film, so we don't have the money to fire and rehire anybody. So you got the gig. That's, uh, that's, yeah. That's, and you can't quit either. Yeah, you can't <laughs> quit. You cannot quit. You are on this gig. Um all right, so let's get into the Oscars. Yes. So, oh God. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. the, the, so the reason why to, one of the reasons why Tuan is the guest on this show is we've been trying to coordinate me watching the final version uh, of earbuds of earbuds, mm-hmm. and so we we're trying to coordinate this weekend. And you, there, there were some tech problems, and you're like, "Can we push back?" And I'm like, "This, that, and the other thing." And I'm going over my schedule. I'm like, "Well, we're doing this live." You know, you're like, can you do Sunday afternoon? Like, oh, well, we're doing this live Oscar thing for the Oscars, and 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 so then we we're trying to figure out maybe Monday, maybe today, blah blah blah. So then yesterday, 
I was just trying to figure out, you know, am I coming by your place? Cause you're here in the Valley and mm-hmm. I'm on the, I'm by the, the beach on the West side. So I'm like, am I coming by Monday or am I coming by? We talked about it, figured it out. Okay. I'm going to do it today. And then I said, what'd you think of the Oscars? Huh. And then we, <laughs> and then we, and then we got into it and I was like, we got to have you on the show. Um, <sighs> because first let's talk about, and we talked about this on the rabble TV, For, by the way, anyone, um, so what we did on Rabble is it's it stays on Rabble. Like yeah, it's archived. So if you have the Academy Awards taped and you want to hear us, it's there. Yeah, you could listen. If to you DVR it, you can listen mm-hmm. to it. But it's 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 Rabble's content, so we're we can't release that show as like a comedy film reads episode. Right. So you have to go to Rabble. You have to, to go to, to Rabble. So some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, we were sort of talking about as it was happening, but mm-hmm. some of it is going to be is is going to be different as well. But we just want you to know. If you haven't watched the Oscars, listen to our commentary. There was someone who was like, I can't, I'm not watching the Oscars. So you guys got to tell me who wins. Cause we would just go, oh, that's crazy. And they'd be like, <laughs> right. what the what the fuck happened? <laughs> um, so um, let's first talk about Chris Rock yes. and his opening. Cause that sort of started that. Uh, it set the yeah. tone. It set the tone. Mm-hmm. And, and Tawan, you tell us first what, what you thought I, I of it. I thought his, the tone was amazing. Right. I really, I felt it. It was, it was funny. Mm-hmm. It was strong. It had its serious beats. It was perfect. Because it had to. I mean, everyone yeah, was right. like, look, it was really well put together. It was, it was and, and Chris, you said it too. This it, is a stand-up monologue. It was a stand-up monologue. Yeah. yeah. He obviously, because this the 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 controversy of Oscar So White started in mid-January. So it's been five, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And he clearly went, all right, I'm going to treat this opening monologue like I'm doing a comedy special. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, that's exactly what it And it like. was really good. It wasn't your typical like host jokes. Right. Was staring at the teleprompter yeah. to get the next no, joke. Man. Yeah. He, got he had it, it memorized. He, he had was, it in his yeah. head like a yeah. comic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he walked the stage like a comic. Yeah. Right. And it was great because we were all like, okay, obviously he's got to do it. It's the elephant in the room. There's yeah. no way he's right. not talking about it. Yeah. Everyone in the news. And he was very tight-lipped leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I I loved what he said. Yeah. I thought he nailed it. Mm-hmm. The one- It was a great opening. It was a great opening. Um, and that's where the bridge snapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, because that was the one thing I, I was, I, and we said this on the show, I go, the one thing he missed is he didn't say it's about everybody. He yeah. just said blacks were denied. Yeah, right. And that was the one thing we said this, we were like- he needed to say, um, you know, because the only Asians in the whole night were mm-hmm. those three kids. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There was no Asian presenters. Mm-hmm. There was no anybody. And I watched the show on CNN and they said that a Latino woman and Asian woman have not been nominated in 50 years. Mm. That needs to be, that needed to be addressed. He needed to make it more. In- I'd like to see the list of 50 years ago who was nominated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know. <clears throat> so where did it break for you, Tawan? Because that you said you loved, and then and then we got into what you thought about the rest of the, the show. My, my fiance and I, we were watching it, and we loved the monologue. Mm-hmm. Then it, got, it started feeling a little weird. It, it, it was a slow progression to weird. And I was just like, why am I feeling uncomfortable? And, and this was, is throughout the show you're talking And this talking is throughout about. the show. Okay. But it was like his, the second part, the second right. time he came on stage, it, I was like, I don't know. I just started feeling uncomfortable. It wasn't because, oh, I'm thinking white people are feeling uncomfortable. It was, I guess, as someone black, mm-hmm. I hate, I literally hate when someone wants to give me something for affirmative action. You either like my work or you don't, period. You hire me or you don't. And 
And I'm the type that I am going to get a job in spite of racism. That's how I roll. So nice. it was like when I saw it, when, I, when I'm listening to it, and I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. It's black. And I was saying this to uh, Seer, my fiance, my beautiful girl. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. I was saying this to her. I was like, I haven't heard anything about anyone Asian. Even first Americans, Native American. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything. And there's not a lot of Hispanics being nominated or presenting either. It's always the the usual suspects, you know. It's, right. You know, it's the same. People. They're just winning for cinematography and directing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Two times. Yeah. But you know what's really interesting? Because Oscars are so white that they nominated a black twice in a uh, era. Uh, once uh, uh, Jamie Fox got it. For, I think he got nominated for. Uh, he got nominated and won for Ray, mm-hmm. and then he got nominated for what's that movie with Tom Cruise where he was a cab driver? Oh God, that's collateral. A, collateral. Yeah, that was back to back. So what's the argument? <laughs> Should white people stand up and say Oscar's so black? Ah. So my thing is diversity is important, right across the board. Because if if I'm black and I love my color, I love chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a stereotype. It's it's the truth. There are certain things that we we really love, and it's it's just the truth. So Chris is Italian. You like no, Italian? I love pasta. You love yes. pasta? I mean, yeah. it comes from somewhere. It's not just made up. And, <laughs> and you and you love bookmaking yes. and uh, extortion, like all of the things that yeah, Italians it's, like. You know, all the, I'm, I'm Irish. I like pipe bombs and bar fights. Yeah. I mean, that's like my thing. That's where I'm. That's how I roll. I mean, so there, there are things that you know people can try to make as a, a problem because of your your uh, racial makeup, mm-hmm. right? But it's not really. So, you know, being black, it's I don't have a problem with it. I love who I am and where I'm from. Mm-hmm. My problem is the same thing that uh, blacks complain that white people do, what happens when we start doing the same thing? Mm. When it has everything has to be black, 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 black. But what about everyone else? Because they're not women too. Women aren't, you know, they're getting paid less than men. How long does that? Sh- how long should that go on? Yeah, you don't hear uh, Al Sharpton coming on because if it's really about inequality, inequality is not a color. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if it's really about inequality, then how come he's not speaking out for women and the Latinos mm-hmm. uh, or um, Native Americans and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's 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 my deal. So I started feeling uncomfortable because I just kept feeling like I don't want the Oscars to have a knee jerk reaction next year and nominate Superfly Part Eight. Yeah. yeah. Now we talk so, about yeah, that. right along three. Yeah. And yeah. Just, I don't, I don't, that's I what I said. If Marlon Wayans gets nominated for something, we know we've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, because because I feel like it's like, why would you do that? Because that's an insult. Yeah. Giving me something that I don't deserve is an insult. You mm-hmm. know? And and I'm I'm not saying deserve like um oh well, you know, I just think I deserve something because, you know, we don't really get anything and I really deserve no, So you don't that. want a race participation trophy. No, no. Who the hell would want that? <laughs> right, <shit>? yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's exactly true. It's funny cuz cuz when I when I watched this um this special on CNN immediately after and they had three panelists. They had Angela Johnson, who's a comic, and she's mm-hmm. Latina. They had mm-hmm. W. Kwame Bell, who's a black guy. Mm-hmm. And they had this redhead girl, I forget her name. And then they had two CNN hosts, mm-hmm. uh, black man, black woman. 
And it was the black woman who made up, who brought up the point that I wasn't aware of, of the Latinas and Asians, Asian women haven't mm-hmm. been nominated in 50 years. And my question right. is like, so let's say next year, there's all these black people nominated. Is Spike Lee going to protest if there's still no Asians nominated, if it's been 50 years? Like that's, that's kind of what I think. And, and look, we have been very critical of the Oscars. We've referred yes. to it over mm-hmm. the years as an all-white country club. Like mm-hmm. I have a numerous times. This is not the first time this has been an issue. Yeah, where they just have one black person nominated, and and the thing that's there's so many things you could talk about. I mean, you you and I were when we had this conversation on the phone. You brought up these these interesting things about Stanley Kubrick, Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. never won Oscars. Yeah, right. Never. Except for a lifetime achievement. That's just like, hey, we're not going to give you an Oscar for the great work you've done. We're just going to give you, because your ass been in this industry for so long, yeah. you think you deserve an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. You know, what kind of shit is that? Yeah, it's like, it's 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 almost like you get the Lifetime Achievement Award with an apology note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, sorry, I know. Yeah. It's it's like, well, you, you know, I should have invited you to my wedding, but I'm going to take you to lunch. Yeah. Is that cool? Exactly, exactly. I thought, we, exactly. I, thought I was your best man. Yeah. Eh, you know. Um, so, so for me, where, and I was, I was, I was, and I, and I sort of feel the same way because, because my thing is, uh, you know, I'm a white heterosexual male, so I've been told since the time I was a kid it's my fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the feminists told me that the, mm-hmm. you know, every ethnic group has told me that, mm-hmm. and I've heard that it's you, and I've always, and I've even started to work on this thing in my act. I'm like, well, I went to public school. Right. I took the city bus to public school and then, you know, my mom was a fundraiser for non-for-profit arts organizations and my dad was a yeah. college professor. I wasn't oppressing anybody. I, I grew up in the white suburbs, so I more had a like, all right, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so you're part of the problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but and and I'm not and I'm not sitting here going, that's the other thing. I don't want to do the other thing of like when I hear and I've had this argument where I've heard white guys say, oh, it's not fair anymore, and they're taking stuff away from the white man. I go, how many times have you been pulled over by the cops for no reason? Yeah. I never have. I never have. When I've moved into neighborhoods, no one went, "Uh uh-oh. They went, oh, white guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not a threat. Yeah. No one's ever locked their car doors when I've walked by it. You know, no one's ever. Right. Went, I have. Well, that's your Italian. That's, that's, uh, you probably have a yeah, knife. Vendetta. Yeah. There's like some sort of Godfather thing. There's a horse head coming. Um, that's a film reference. Yeah. Um, so, so like, I have no idea what that's like. I have no idea. You know, there's the clan is an organization that mm-hmm. wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is are there black militants that would like to take me out or whatever? Sure, but I don't. It's not so ingrained that I don't. I can't sit here and say, "Oh, I've struggled just as much." That's bullshit. Well, I have news for you. Neither have I. And I'm being honest with you. Okay. I I know there's a lot of my black friends who have gone through a lot. Right. And I mean, what what blacks are saying is it's real. It's actually it's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know to getting shot. You know thrown in jail more than anyone on this planet. Yeah. You know, that is the truth. But honestly, I have never really, if I dealt with racism, I didn't notice it. But I've never really had, I've never in my life had to deal with it. It's a, it's a valid point. Like the, the, the marijuana argument. So if a white teen gets busted with weed and a black teen gets busted with weed, the black teen is three times more likely to go to jail. Like that's or shot. Yeah. Or shot or just flat out shot. I mean, like that's, that's, that's part of the problem. And so, 
I mean, that's that's a huge issue, and we can't pretend that that isn't an issue. Yeah. But then that doesn't justify, like you say, mm-hmm. um, like and and I've and I've I've found that I can find the flip side to just about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I've 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 heard people say, "Well, I've been discriminated against, so that's why I'm doing this." And I go, "Okay, I don't know what that's like." Mm-hmm. As a black man, I've been discriminated against because my high school was forty percent black. Mm-hmm. So I took a lot of shit. We moved from Wisconsin. I was the, the the white liberal kid, and I didn't know the rule. And I took a lot of shit, man. Mm-hmm. So does that? Do I then? You know, it's like right. that. My parents were shitty. Argument. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm an idiot and a fuck up. My parents were shitty. They abused me. Well, who who abused them? Right. And he will, so like at some point it has to end. Like yeah. someone has to say, okay, because you have to break a cycle. You have to break a cycle because this person or this group did this to me. So that means I get to fuck you then. Yeah. When does that end? Well, when you decide not to be willfully ignorant. I mean, that's, that's, that's really mm-hmm. just it because I, I feel like this. <clears throat> when I watched, when I was watching the Oscars, when Chris Rock went to Compton. Right. And he was... Uh, the movie theater. The movie theater. Right. Which he's done before in another bit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is he was asking uh, uh, the black people that were there about um, certain movies. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know him. They, didn't, they thought Bridge of Spies. He was lying about that. <laughs> Which was funny. My, my yeah, favorite funny. quote was like, I see a lot of movies all the time, and I've never heard of any of these movies you're <laughs> exactly. talking about. Well, that, that, that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You see movies all the time, you would have heard of at least one of these. Yeah. You saw a trailer or something. Yes. <laughs> So does that make them racist? Right. Because they haven't seen all those films that are predominantly white? So we got to be careful how we flip, throw around the racist, racist stuff because that's a very evil and hurtful word. That mm-hmm. action is very painful to a lot of blacks and, for that matter, a lot of Jews. Right. So, you know, it's they're not racist. They just, you know, they just haven't heard of them. And then there are people who just may not, want to see a straight out of Compton. But then if you do see it and you don't even want to look at it for their life perspective and how they see live and see things, that's kind of fucked up too. Yeah, well that that was interesting because that was part of the thing when when I when I watched that woman say I've never heard of these movies. To me, I was like, well that shows kind of how the film industry needs to wake up to the fact that there's a segment of the population that isn't even watching their product. Even yeah. from a business Let alone not watching it, not even aware. Not even yeah. aware of it. So it's a, it could be an untapped market. That's an untapped market. And that's also that that shows like, okay, that's that's part of a problem. That's like the you know, I mean I've I've you know, I've heard Tyler Perry was like people told him, Oh, blacks don't go to the movies and he's like, Oh really? And then like yeah. made all these movies to a specific segment, mainly black women, and gave them movies that they weren't getting before. So and they went to go see them. Uh, <laughs> uh no but, but but the thing I want to say though, and I, I remember I, and I said it to you, but then you brought up the other side of like that that woman who hadn't seen anything, well then is she, like if if the white guy who hasn't seen the black movies is racist, then is she racist because she exactly. hasn't seen the white movies? Exactly. And I was like, wow, I hadn't even looked at it that way. Because you know what the the abuse that blacks have gone through in the in this country, you don't want to throw racist around like it's nothing, right? You know, because it's a real thing and it's a painful thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you say it, you really have to have some evidence to support it, <laughs> you know, because it means that much. Mm-hmm. And it, it's okay. also a hard thing to shake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you get that tab as a white dude, 
forget it. It's it's right. over. Jesse Jackson can call New York Jaime Town, and he's still it's all right. But well, like, you, know, you know what, what I mean? Like, here's the thing. <laughs> Whites and blacks need. We, we're. I think we're just fucked up. We don't. Yeah, yeah. Both of us. We, we, we don't have a country to go back to, right? We. We. we that, well, this is an American thing for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like white people stop calling black people thugs. Black people stop calling white people racist. Right. Because those two things are very hurtful, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not. It's not doing anything. It. It. It's. It's such a thing, and that's that's like, um, getting back specifically to the Oscars. Where I started to kind of like, oh come on, Chris, you. Well, this is actually the, the okay, point sorry, I wanted to ahead. make, just from a uh, from a content perspective. Let's look at the way you're putting together a TV show, which is what the Academy Awards. Right. Is. Mm-hmm. You have a large elephant in the room, and you had brought up this point before. You address it; it's addressed. Great. Now, are you going to keep going, go back to it, and just hammer it home over and over till people start to get sick of it, or are you going to address it and then move on and actually have the show? And unfortunately, I think it went in the wrong direction as the show progressed. It was just okay. We've gotten it now. Stop. Let's. It's, just, it's let's almost. Do the it's show. almost like a comic that keeps <clears throat> calling a joke back. I remember in the '90s, they were always. It, 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 oh, the Oscars are so long, and so many jokes are made about that. Then Whoopi Goldberg hosted, and the, the year she hosts, she goes, "They're going to be long. Just shut up. We're moving on." And I was like, "Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. embrace it. It's going to yeah. be long. It's yeah. not the Emmys. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long party. Just buckle yep. the fuck up, and here yeah. we go." And yeah. I was like, I wish Chris would have. I wish Chris Rock would have done that a little more because like- Like the, every every single segment, every single bit didn't need to be about that issue. It's been addressed and you addressed it so beautifully at the beginning. I know. How are you going to add more to what you've already well, said? Because one of the other things he addressed that I thought was so funny and what, why he's really good at social commentary mm-hmm. is the the- you know, people have said, "Oh, it's 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 sexist when you only you only ask the women what are you wearing." And he goes, "Well, because men all we wear is fucking tuxedos." Right. That was right. a great joke. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. "If George Clooney showed up with a swan sticking out of his ass, ass they go green suit." Yeah. They go, "What are you wearing?" Yes. <laughs> like who? <are>, like <laughs> yeah. That was like hilarious. Right. And he did the thing that comedy should do when it's smart and funny is get everybody laughing. So now mm. everyone's together. Right. And get everybody to see a point of view in a funny way that gets everybody to go, oh, you're right. Yeah. You know, settled out, making yeah. fun of Jada Pinkett. She's on TV. Who gives a shit? That was fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we called her out on that too yeah. on this show. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And so, so. Yeah, well, she, and her writing staff is basically white. So, right. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, like, we yeah. said that, yeah. I mean, we, it's, yeah, it's insane. Well, I mean, well, going back to the movie theater segment. You know, like I could, I could pick a little hole in every little thing Chris Rock did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he was like, we dominate all the sports. I was like, well, well you don't watch baseball, soccer, the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I study, you study martial arts, right? Yeah, a little U- bit, yeah. UFC is everybody. Yeah. Everybody is knocking got dudes out and yeah. getting knocked out. Yeah. I mean, like. Right. I mean, you could nitpick for sure. You could. Sure. But it's like. You just take the spirit of it. Yeah, I take the spirit of like okay, but but some of those jokes I felt like I was I felt like I was sort of seeing Chris Rock's age because I felt like he was making the these are like the black white jokes from the seventies and eighties, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this isn't the we don't we live in this global community. Well, maybe he was lifting some stuff from an old special. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he had to do a lot of rewrites yeah, exactly. when the nominations came out. I get that, but like I felt like. Um, he, like, if you go on the internet, and this is part of the problem of anyone that's sort of old traditional media, 
anyone who's come up in traditional media has been paying your bills. Right. So you come up thinking that, and the whole world has changed. Everyone's on social media. Everybody of every ethnicity, every background is talking, learning from each other. Right. And, you know, I saw an interview, I read an interview on USA Today with some YouTube stars. And one of them was this, this, this woman, I forget her name, but she's, she's a black girl, does this show on YouTube called Stupid Shit White Girls Say. Mm-hmm. And she basically took all of the dumb things white girls have said to her, like, how do you get your hair like that? And did sketches where she dresses up like these sorority girls and it's fucking hilarious. Right. Guess what? Millions of people watch it. Right. And I would guess there's a lot of white people watching thinking it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And she said in the interview, she goes, I could never get a TV. A network would never give me this show. And she said, the internet is the most democratic thing out there. Mm-hmm. You put something up and people like it. Or they don't. They don't. Yeah. Right. And if they like it, you they share it. You can't blame the internet for, uh, you know, as a gatekeeper. The internet is the opposite of it's a gatekeeper. It's the opposite of a gatekeeper. So that's part of the like- It is a key master. It is a key master. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the like, the argument with the academy, like they really, and, and I think Chris Rock is kind of part of this a little bit because he has gotten traditional media where- Somebody gave him a job. Some he didn't go out and just create his own thing. Right. Like what Mark Maron's done. We're talking about earbuds. Mark Maron was a comic. He'd done a lot of Conan, but mm-hmm. he was having a hard time getting so he just decided to talk to a microphone in his garage and now he's got a TV show and blah blah. He's interviewing the president. Right. So because I see this from comics and I think to myself, like if I went, when I did the game shows 15 years ago and then I did this short film and had I just gotten one sitcom, one movie gig after another, I would be like, mm. well, you become part of the machine. I'm part of the machine. Yeah. And I would be like podcasting. Eh. And here's the thing about the machine. It's um, very few people are a part of it on a consistent basis. Right. A lot of times, you know, you're part of the machine for a little bit, then you get marginalized or spit out for whatever, then you don't get hired again. Um, some people are in the machine for a little bit, a long time, or they're they're out. There's very few people where over a span of 20 years are constantly in it. I mean, I've talked to how many writers and actors we talked to. Yeah, I was working steady for five years and, and then, then it just yeah. stopped. Yeah, yeah. my show got canceled and then- Right, and then no one yeah. hired me after that or you No, know, the movie tanked yeah. and then- Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. I had my own show and now I can't get hired on staff So that's all. That's where I felt like with some of Chris Rock's jokes where some of them felt like this- old business model. They were canned. They were canned and they were just sort of like, he's making fun of this old, the Academy is an old system. Yeah. You know, and the Academy didn't recognize Beasts of No Nation because they don't understand Netflix or they're afraid of it or whatever. Part of me is like, I'd like to see the Academy wake the fuck up. Mm -hmm. But also part of me is like, I don't give a shit. No, it's Because I'm going to watch Beasts of No Nation. I'm going to watch Orange is the New Black. I'm going to watch whatever, whatever, the Daredevil. I'm going to watch whatever I want to watch when I watch. Well, it's interesting you say that about now Now that I'm thinking about the way the structure of the Academy Awards show was put together. If you look at his monologue at the beginning, it was a stand-up monologue. It was loose. It, was, it felt more organic. Yeah. It felt more um, personal. Mm-hmm. But then when you start getting into the bits and the presenters the and stuff, you're like, oh, stuff. my gosh, now everything feels overwritten, canned, and, it yeah. just, and flat. So I'm wondering too, do you want to maybe treat this a little more like a sketch show and actually have some more organic bits and maybe less and get the show moving a little bit more? Well, uh, you, because you yeah. really saw a difference this year between yeah. a really polished, good stand-up monologue and some really canned and overthought and overwritten bits. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, the Academy was never really for this award stuff. It was really to... You know checks and balances on the the studios, right? So then you had this one guy decide, you know what? 
we should get some awards for the type of work that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's art and sciences. Let's you know recognize the art. And so there goes the award season. So it was basically some shadow thing, and then it became more public, and then the advertisers got in because they knew they could make money off of it. So it's really about selling the art. You know, so you know it. it look. It's a movie Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. Pretty really much. is what it is. It's a manufactured yeah. holiday that uh, everyone can make money from. Right. And it, it is all about just promoting. Although this one was the lowest rated in like eight years. This, wow, this Academy Awards. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because part of it, like going back to the movie theater that, that, that Chris Rock went to in Compton, there was only one dude was the guy who said, we got to, diversity is about including everybody. Yeah. That was the only time that was said the entire show. And mm-hmm. it was said by a guy on the street. Mm-hmm. It wasn't said by the host. It wasn't said by the show. It was. Yeah. It was said. I mean, the one, the the, I guess the head of the academy, that woman that came out, kind of addressed that a little bit. And I think the director um, Alejandro, he he mentioned it yeah, as well. He Definitely. It. Yeah. But that that's an interesting thing because you. I can't wait to see his next movie. I mean, maybe it'll be oh, three in a row for geez. best director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't know. I think the Rev- Chivo keep winning. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's like. It's like uh, he has that Eastwood effect. Would that, I know. Would that be unheard of three years in a row for best director? Well, I mean, you know what? It happens like that. You know, because mm-hmm. remember uh, Tom Hanks, it was in yeah. a row. Jamie Foxx was in a row. Mm-hmm. Then you had Eastwood in a row. And it got to the mm-hmm. point where people were like, I hate when Eastwood is making a movie because he's probably going to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now it's uh, Alejandro's time and it's Chivo's time. Like I, just, I, just want, um, I just want another cinematographer to win. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing too, like, like get, Roger Deakins, he's we, like well, my that favorite. Was, that's that's an amazing. Like yeah. we, when we when we went into the, the the this category, like Roger Deakins is he's amazing. He's yeah. amazing, and you look at his body of work, and you know, you, you look at uh, like <laughs> the stuff that he's done, and um, I saw the interview with him for uh, Hail Caesar. That at the ArcLight they interviewed, mm-hmm. and it was just fantastic listening to him talk about his how he works and what he likes to do. Mm-hmm. He still likes using single camera. He still likes shooting on thirty five, which is rare. rare almost never happens now. And mm-hmm. for Hail Caesar, you had to. Hail Caesar, you yeah, had to. He yeah. had to make it look like that. So let's 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 get into yes. Um, let's get into some of the some of the winners and stuff like that. That we that like what Tawan was there any win that shocked you? Um. Yeah. Uh, two, Brie Larson, is that how you see mm-hmm. her name? Kind of mm-hmm. shocked me because I haven't really heard of the film and who she was up against. I just figured she wasn't going to win and I'm happy she won. Um, by the way, it's an, it's a fantastic movie. I, I, want, I really want to see the movie. You'll change your mind after you, you really see the movie. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. She's really good. Like I, I saw it, um, I got a screener and saw it right before the award start season started. So when she started winning, mm-hmm. I was like, when she she won the Golden Globe, I believe, and the SAG Award, I was like, oh, she's, she's probably gonna she's get gonna it. get it because she's these are again. This is an amazing field, but that movie's rock solid. But what was the other one? The for? other one was I can't. I think he was he has a Russian name, um, but he beat Sly. Oh, Mark uh, Rylance. Yeah, I was like. Especially with the clip that they showed. Now, he probably did an amazing job in the movie, but the clip they showed and the clip they showed of Stallone, it's like it's night and day. And I I just couldn't. They took it from Rocky, man. I don't know. (laughs) We talked about that, too, because it was a very understated performance. And honestly, when I when we went through this the last week with Doug Benson, I mean, I would have told you Mark Rylance was going to come in fifth. Right. Like, I really Mm -hmm. did not see him on the short list 
for this. I mean, I, I was like, it's. I, I literally thought it was between. Uh, I thought it was for best. Uh, what's well, best supporting actor? So I literally thought it was between Ruffalo, and you know, maybe Sly. That's right. who I thought it yeah. was going to come down to. Yeah. Because, and I thought Sly did a. I well, thought he did an amazing. He was job. the oldest. You know. Right, yeah, because that's the academy. So well, I give it to the old guy. Give it to the old guy, yeah. But because because I think that was that was my favorite. And how often are you going to have an actor older than Sylvester Stallone in this category? <laughs> oh, you want to know the other thing that shocked me? Best Picture. Yeah, that was a shock. Who were you thinking was going to win Best Picture? I thought I really thought Matt Max was going to win. Wow, because it's rare. And I'm not some this this movie guy that knows everything. Like I I'm supposed to know there's supposed to be a great movie. Not that it was just that when I watched Mad Max in the theater, there was no dull beat for me. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it felt cinematic. It was a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I it know the Revenant was was yeah. very torturous, mm-hmm. you know, but I liked Mad Max better. I mm-hmm. loved Mad Max, and I agree. It was it was very action packed. I the reasons why I think the Academy went and why I'm glad that they did mm-hmm. was I think I think when it comes to best picture, I think everybody like some of these other things I think the Academy just like, like some whatever. Where they kind of vote willing or I've heard of this one dude, so I'll give him the nod or whatever. Yeah. I think when it comes to best picture, I think they all really go, okay. That's the one, one of the few categories where they really think it through and mm-hmm. they kind of like, they're going to go make a social or political statement over action. And not that Mad Max, Mad Max had some great social commentary on mm-hmm. it about society and about yeah. men ruining everything and yeah. <laughs> greed. And, right. And, liberation but at the for end women. Of the, yeah, at the end of the day, it was an action film. Yes. So, And, and I think that the Academy can't see past that sometimes in right. terms of like like why they never nominated any of the Dark Knight movies oh it's a superhero thing like no oh, these are really yeah. these are really awesome so I think me personally I'm glad they nominated Spotlight because yeah. I think that's important yeah. movie for people to see yeah. anybody it's hard to yeah. look past sometimes spray paint and giant feet <laughs> you know, and dudes on sticks and fire, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that hurt it a little bit, but I, I, but I'm not sad that Spotlight won. Spotlight's an amazing film, and I, I honestly, I think they got it right. I mean, best director for The Revenant and best picture Spotlight. I, I thought that was a really good mix. I think it was too. And, and best director, um, these were all solid, solid direct. These are great yes. directors yeah. and great yeah. films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing: all men. Mm-hmm. You know <laughs> that uh, you know there should be uh, um, what was her I forget her name but I did Hurt Locker she won uh, Catherine Bigelow Catherine Bigelow yeah, yeah. Um, but you know they may not have made movies either right too. You, you wonder too it's like well do you want to yet do you have to have a woman there if if, See, that's if that, somebody that, didn't that, make a movie that, that, it goes that's back, that, that quota thing yeah it goes back to like well do we does that take a slot away from another director that did an amazing job Is it, well we talked about that last year with Selma right like uh, I forget her name Ava Ava you know they could have not they should have not they could have nominated her and it would have been the first ever black woman nominated mm-hmm. and that whole like that's the problem it goes back to what you said yeah then everyone's got to Everyone's got to open up a little more. Everyone's got to get rid of ignorance on all sides and all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And then we can just talk about the best movie. Right. 
Because it's film. When right. you turn on a movie camera, don't be like, oh my gosh, she's black. I can't I can't work. <laughs> <laughs> this, this lens only yeah. works it's on like, rich white dudes. No, yeah. it's just it's it's film and, and I I, I I don't like when film becomes so cluttered with politics because then it takes away from the art. Mm-hmm. I like that you can have some type of political position within the story, but when the the politics surrounding the movie mm-hmm. trumps the film. An F stop's an F stop. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is an F stop. Yeah. It doesn't F-stop. mean it doesn't mean <laughs> fuck stop. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what it meant. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we could because we could do, like you know you could say well there's only men nominated for best director. I'm pretty sure we haven't had a lot of male costume designers nominated. Right. Right. Is right. that a crime? Do we need to protest right. that? Or right. is that just right. like oh that's I mean. What what's the t- what's the take on that? <laughs> you know yeah, about hair and makeup. Hair and makeup. I, who who's you know that's primarily female. I mean, I just, don't know. You know what it is. I've never even seen a picket line. Just get out, just get out of everyone's skin. Look at their 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 CV resume. Yeah, whatever. look at their portfolio. You know, and and then just hire them based on that. And this is the thing too. Um, so then the argument is made, and it's a valid one. Well, we just want the opportunity. And that's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. And I think it's not, it's, it's not the academy. It's the, the studio system, which to me is still very old mm-hmm. business model. Oh, yeah, yeah. That they're not, giving, they're not giving diversity enough of a shot in terms of the movies they're financing, yeah. the people that they're hiring, the producers, yeah. the directors, that's where the problem it's, is. Well, well, yeah, and one of the biggest problems is it's the same five people over and over again. Like, yeah. you know, everyone wants J.J. Abrams to do their movie. Well, you know what? He didn't need Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, he really, right. you, know, you know, if you said, oh, well, George Lucas and Gene Roddenberry are going to be replaced by just one guy. Like, what? What? Right. what are you talking? I mean, there's other people that can make movies and that can write shows. And the good thing about now is uh, with this golden age of television, a lot more writers and directors are, are Look getting hired. Look at TV. Hired. Yeah. It's the most diverse. I TV mean, is where film should be. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, film needs to catch up with television yeah. right now. You know, and, and I even hear from development executives, we can't get projects going because everyone wants the same five people and you've got to get these people attached or whatever. I'm like, no, just, you know, newer voices. And it's rewarded. I mean, even a movie like Deadpool, you, you have like a, an interesting take on a character that we haven't really seen in a big budget We haven't movie. seen a big budget superhero movie like that Yeah, before. like it, it's also dark and funny and very adult-oriented. And of course, then, the, you know, the next um, incorrect response from the studios is, we'll make Wolverine R. No, no, no that no, that's no, not no. the point. You may you have the uh, the property. Let the rating serve the property. It's like, well, we'll make Guardians of the Galaxy. R. No, no, Guardians of the Galaxy is a great PG thirteen movie. Ant Man is a great PG movie, even though it was PG thirteen. You know, have it serve what it needs to go. A, a Deadpool movie should be R. 300 should be R, but don't force like ones that don't need to be there there. Like Wolverine is doing just fine in a PG 13. What could, how much more violence could you possibly add to a Wolverine right. movie? That just yeah. means you're going to be showing tits or, uh, or, or sex. Written. Yeah, that's not exactly. How the comic mm-hmm. was cause, cause like the, the, and I think it's, it's, there's the, there's a whole like infrastructure that sort of needs changing because you also have the festival scene. So the festivals, if you get into a festival and get a buzz, that's going to help your movie. Yes. Um, but that's still, it still works that way. It still works that way. Yeah. But so it's a little different. It is a little. Mm-hmm. Okay. How so? Oh my gosh. I remember 
uh, Darren Aronofsky was working on Pi. Mm-hmm. And I think his mother was catering and stuff like that in New York. And he knew in his gut that if I got my film into a festival, it's going to be seen and likely I might get a deal. And that's what happened. And that's what was happening in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's like if you don't have these big celebrities in your movies or if you don't have um, like some type of following or whatever uh-huh. – it doesn't really. It doesn't help a lot of people. Now there are films, there are low budget films that get in and they do well, definitely. But with Sundance and stuff like that, it just feels as though it's not the same. It doesn't have that same feeling. It's like when you're watching a. A lot of people say, "Oh, you can't tell the difference between digital and film." Here's here's the difference. Clear difference. Make it really short. Digital is flat. Film flickers. This is why when you're watching it, you're like in a dream. Mm-hmm. Because it's messing with your mind and you get caught up in the movie. That's why they, people like films better than digital because digital is just flat. And digital, you fall asleep. My brain works more because you. I was told your eyes have to scan more. Yeah. On digital. Yeah. Because your brain, you're reading each line. Where yeah. is film? You're processing each individual each frame. frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your brain isn't working as hard, which is why I'm always like, God, why am I tired watching certain movies? Even am I watching in the afternoon or whatever? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's an I think that's an interesting point, you know, and 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 the you know people going back to that CNN show, you know, they were talking about some of the inequities of like Angela Johnson was like I know the same like handful of Latina women and we all get the same parts and all that stuff, right? And that's a valid thing, but also part of it is show business ain't fair. <laughs> yeah. I've been told, man, we, I've been what told is- by agents and managers we got enough white guys. Like I've, I've been, I've been, wow. I've never been on network TV. Start making a lot of money, then we'll represent well, of you. Of course, yeah. man. If I, but the, the difference is now, if I show up with half a million Twitter followers, well, now I've got some leverage. If I get a fancy YouTube, I mean, like if this podcast were to add a hundred thousand listeners, we, we have some leverage. That's the difference now. But I still have heard that. I've never, I mean, W. Kwame Bell was also on that very funny comedian, hilarious mm-hmm. guy. Chris Rock got him a TV show on FX. Wow. Chris Rock's not getting me a TV show. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that hap- that's part of like, I mean, there's I can't go on a diversity showcase. As a stand-up comic, they have those all the time. Right. I'm not on that. They're not putting the white guy in the diversity showcase. Yeah. So, and I'm not again, I'm not saying, oh, it's so hard being a white guy. I'm just saying yeah. that that is a thing. Yeah. I don't have an agent or a manager. I I've been told, you know. I'm not, I'm too old, I'm too young, whatever. You hear everybody in show business hears that thing. Yeah. Every, and it's something they're being repeated from their boss or whatever, and whatever the, the current trend is. Whatever your thing is, yeah. there's someone out there saying, hmm. Well, you know what? I here Here's something that I, I would love, I definitely would love to see uh, more blacks on TV, but not just on TV and in, in film, but in different roles. Right. Not the roles that people, I mean, not... Oh, I'm gonna put a black as a drug dealer or a basketball player. So I'm get, I'm getting sick of that because that's right. not all we do. I'm a colorist. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that's not all we do. Mm-hmm. And but more so than that, I don't really I don't really get into the to the debate. And I know there are a lot of blacks that don't like some of the things that I say because I, I just try to be fair and balanced, right. right? So but more so than seeing blacks on screen, I want to see them behind the scenes. We don't have enough black writers mm-hmm. writing shows mm-hmm. or creating shows. Well, yeah, we have Shonda. But I mean, how many shows are made? I, I mean, you know? but also Shonda's like, oh, we have, look, we have a black showrunner. Let's give her 10 shows. 
Yeah. It's like, no, look for a new voice. Right, yeah. right. Says, she, she, nobody needs, uh, it's literally, I think she's got like four or five shows that she's yeah. EPing. And that's ridiculous. That's right. the opposite of what you know. Uh, find another voice right, you and should go, actually make a new show. Go, well, Shonda's good. Let's see. Is there's there got to be another? Yeah. Is she the only one? <laughs> but, is she but, the only? <laughs> but for them, they need to bring in. Right, right, like right. It's, it's not always up to the white guy to, to, to deliver. You right, know, if right. you're in a position, you're if you're a black person, you're in a position where you can create content. You bring in, a, you don't have to be the one behind it. Bring in another black person to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. We we can do it. We know how to chew our gum and tie shoes. <laughs> you know, you know, we can do it. You know, it just it's just this, and it's not just us. It's like again, what about? Asian. I would. I really. I'm. And I'm not kidding. I really want to see more shows that's dealing with it. Not just fresh off the boat. Right. You know, just something where you. Because I want to see other. I want to see what other people how they live and how they think and their perspective on life, what they do. That shit matters. And that's that's the thing where I think the Academy does actually get it right is in the documentary short and feature category. Because it's real. Yeah, it's real. It's real shit. And they have nothing to do with the financing of it. Yeah. And look who won. It was a woman from Pakistan talking about honor killings. Yeah. That's for that's happening today. Yeah. Exactly. That ain't 50 years ago. That's mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And she was like, do something about it. Yeah. You know, um the the Lady Gaga song. Yeah. Like, Campus mm-hmm. rape is, it was an issue when I was in school and it obviously still is now. Right. Yeah. And look, they had the vice president come out yeah. and say, go to this website. And then that, that scene was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. The, the fucking James Bond guy won. Which yeah. Was like, <laughs> and, then he, and then he was like, you know, we're the first ever openly gay. No, no Elton no. John won. What are you talking yeah. about, man? Well, didn't Ian McKellen? There it is again. The first of this kind, the first, you know, if you happen to be the first, cool, but let's just deal with the art, the music. Uh-huh. Let's just deal with that. Yeah. First. And do a better performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lady Gaga was better. Yeah. She did a better, put oh, on a better. talking about when he was just kind of like, like a bobblehead? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was off pitch. And come on, it's the Academy Awards. Bring your A game. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was like, cause you were, you were talking about, um, People who are in the position to hire, and what was the, what? Tell me what you said on the phone yesterday about ninety nine percent of the job. Okay, well, a lot of a lot of the jobs that, um, sir, stop leading the witness. <laughs> a lot of the jobs. Well, I don't want to just say, "Hey, say that thing you said," but I mean that's what. I had to remember. Right. Um, but basically, what I was talking about is um, there are times where. I do not like, and I'm gonna be, I want to be very clear on this, I do not like being a part of black filmmaker groups. Not because I'm some coon or some some Uncle Tom, which Sell sometimes I'm coon. None of that bullshit. It's just, I don't like saying that I'm other than. You know, I want to be a part of a filmmaker group. When you put black in front of it, it's just like, okay, well, I'm a subsequent. Right. You know, we can only do certain things, so we have to have a little group over here. So... I didn't like that. But someone said, hey, you need to join this group, you know, because maybe you can tell them about some technical things that they don't know. I'm like, okay, cool. So I joined it. I'm in it for several months. And I have never, ever felt so attacked in my life. And they were like, well, because it was just like everything that I was saying they would counter it. And I know this shit because I do it every day. And don't tell me that TV <laughs> doesn't still use 720p HD. I know they do because I have to deliver it. <laughs> 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 you 
you gonna argue with me and I just delivered it to ABC. How you gonna tell me? <laughs> so it was it was that and then um it just became really personal. It's like personal attacks. Like you don't know this, you don't know that. And it's just like, listen, I'm not trying to take your job. We don't have to pull each other down. Let's lift each other up. And we don't have to be so caught up in this black white thing. Just do the fucking work. Mm-hmm. Push it out there. And if it is racing, get the job in spite of it. Yeah. That's why I'm like, fuck it. Because here's the thing. And shoot it in 720. And shoot it in 720. <laughs> no, no. You got to shoot it in 640. And bump it up to 720. No. So my thing is, as far as my work, here's the thing. A lot of them were telling me, forget the white man, such and such, blah, 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 blah. You don't know. My family is so mixed. Right. You know, that's the one thing. The second thing is don't turn me into a racist. Mm-hmm. Number two. Number three, 99.9% of the jobs I got weren't from blacks. And if white people were so racist, then I wouldn't have over about 150 credits on IMDb. <laughs> because those came from white people who thought that, hey, you know, I'm going to hire this guy. His work is great. So what I'm, basically what I'm saying is I'm not saying that racism We hired is- you based on your experience and your quote. Mm-hmm. We're an independent film, so you yeah. have to find and that. That was a referral. It was a referral yeah. From, yeah. Kimberly from Kimberly Browning. So Kim, yeah. you're part of the 0.01 percent. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But we she we she gave us two referrals, and then I found a third, mm-hmm. and one. So Kimberly gave us the two, and then I found one through the Veterans of Film and TV mm-hmm. because I've gone overseas a bunch, and so hiring a vet is important to me. So I was right. like, I at least want to give a vet a shot, mm-hmm. and nice guy didn't have enough experience, mm-hmm. and the other place. Highly qualified, but a big post house with a big, a little expensive, expensive. Yeah. We're an indie film, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you even don't with their discount, even with their discount. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, we can't afford that. We the the let the guy with less experience was a lot cheaper, but yeah, we've done that where you get the favor, right. and then the the five hundred dollars doesn't pay, you know, and then yeah. the real gig comes in, and our thing sits on a drive for nine months, right. and yeah. then when it's delivered, it's like oh, I don't know, well, that wasn't that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's we've gone that route before. So you got the job. I didn't know who you were, what you looked like at all. Mm-hmm. You got you got referred, and then our conversation and your price. That's how you got the gig. Yeah. Well, to be fair, with your name Tawan Baysmore, we we're pretty sure you weren't Asian. Yeah. <laughs> My name is literally from Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> it means something about horizon, rising of the sun. I mean, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> so basically, it's like this. I, I, don't, I don't walk around feeling like I'm inferior. Mm-hmm. I don't walk around thinking that... Um, the Until world is we me. hired you to work on this film that had nothing but problems. Then, 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 we gave you a no. bunch of corrupted drives. No. That's when you were like, then what were have like, I done with my uh, life? Once again, the white man bringing us down. <laughs> 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 Tricking me into doing God this job. <laughs> Thanks, Whitey. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Don't take hard drives from white filmmakers. <laughs> they will be corrupted. But anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying. No, man. I just feel like, look, yeah. point blank. I'm, I, I, my life was kind of split. I spent part of my life in South Orange, New Jersey, uh-huh. which, I mean, they have so much money. They have their own credit card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Elizabeth Shue lives somewhere around the corner or something like that. Uh, and then I spent the best part of my life in Patterson, New Jersey. It's the hood. But I can tell you. 
I have that's my, where Hurricane came out of. Yeah, that's right. I have my best friends are there. Um, the life experience, how I was able to grow, made me tough. I love Patterson, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the hood, you know, and you get what comes with the hood. However, my mind wasn't hood. Right. You know, I didn't I don't do drugs. I don't get drunk. I don't like getting drunk because I don't like feeling like I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> so um so I just I stopped drinking because I married a stripper. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sentence doesn't need any elaboration. I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to yeah. interrupt you. Go ahead, sir. That's awesome. Um so look, look, my deal is really simple. I, I love filmmaking. Well, let's get into it now. Let's Good. get into we, we got some a little uh, some time. Let's get into the actual process you've been working on earbuds. Yeah. What do you do, and what are some challenges you've had other than working on our film? All right, let me be. <laughs> let, let me be. Let me go right up top. I do not do hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, so first of all, explain to people what color correction is. What what is the job of a colorist? Let me lead with this story. I was color correcting or color grading this film, the Lebanon director. Mm-hmm. And we were working on at at uh, their place in Mir- uh, Miracle Mile. And uh, for those who are not in California, that's somewhere in L.A. <laughs> By the tar pits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're over there and we're working. And the guy's niece comes into town. And so she's in, so she comes up and she sees me working. And she's like, oh, so what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm fixing the color, making sure this looks like this, like that. And she was like, oh, okay, so what is that? I said, oh, well, you know, it's just making it look beautiful. She said, yeah, but what is it called? And so the director said, oh, he's a colorist. And she says, oh, that's not nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you call a black post-production guy. Is, any, is a colorist. <laughs> no, but basically what I do is, I get the footage and I from the editor and I just start to balance the color. If something is too blue, I balance it out where it doesn't look too blue. If it's too yellow, same thing. So I, I want to put this in perspective for anybody listening who saw earbuds uh, either at PodFest mm-hmm. or when we screened it for the cast and crew in uh, Japan. So, so what you saw at PodFest was a lot of interview footage and what we call B-roll. So like when we said, well, we went to New York and then you saw shots of Manhattan and just to get to, right. to establish that. So a lot of those shots initially were, were the raw footage that we gave Tawan was flat kind of. Right. So what, what Tawan is talking about is then you will see the specific colors of everything. Yeah. Like an inter- like the interview with, let's say, Sanai. Sanai, you're listening to this, Sandy Big Fan Japan um, in Hong Kong, Tokyo. So her interview that we did in front of that, uh, that temple where it's raining. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. It looks beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So you, t- describe what you did specifically to that, to that scene. Basically, I took something that was flat and made it pop. Mm-hmm. So I brought out her skin complexion. She has a beautiful skin complexion. Brought that out. Brought out the greenery and just made sure everything just looked nice and balanced and pretty, as if you're just looking at it, you know, and not like, oh, wow, they shot this. It looks pretty horrible, you know. So I just my job is to make everything pop mm-hmm. and to just give it a signature look. A, gr- a great example of that. The first time I I sat with you 
there's the, the scene where we go to New York, I think, for the first time, and there's a shot that is taken in our in our car that it's just one of the camera guys just was rolling footage, and you just see we're in a crowded New York street. Right. And I was in your, your, your studio, and I went, damn, I didn't know that parked car was red. Yeah. You made that pop. You made that New York suddenly became three-dimensional. Right. The skyscrapers, the buildings, like uh, the the I didn't notice the colors of the shorts of the guys playing basketball. We have a quick shot of these guys playing basketball in a mm. park, which is so iconic of New York. Those, yeah. those the yeah. city parks, yes. Yes. and yes. there's always guys playing basketball. Right, and I was like, oh, that guy's shorts were blue, and that, really. Now you've been doing this for a long time. Um, how has the technology changed and made your job different as the new uh, computers and software have come out? Um, so about sixteen years, I've been doing this, and you go to school for there. Where do you? How do you? Get I went this to job? NYU for cinematography. Okay, and um, I didn't finish. <laughs> it's too damn expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when we're going to process after the film was processed, they took us into this bay. And this guy is a color timer. It's what they originally called. And they were, he was just timing the film, basically putting in saturation mm-hmm. and fixing the colors. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. So it's not done when a cinematographer shoots it. Someone else has to do the final look on the film. I want to do that. So that's how I got into it. Now, from that point, from sitting there having like three knobs to fix the color, now we have a whole board with about 200 knobs. You know, and... There's it's digital. I, honestly, I felt like I was in like uh, you know NASA control. Set. Mm-hmm. It was just like the the I was like I know a little bit about post, obviously, but Jesus, it was and it was different from when I did. I don't think we even did do we did very little color correction on Afghanistan because we had no money. So the last time I sat in 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 a colorist studio was for Hello Junkie. Which we shot on thirty-five millimeter, mm-hmm. and um, but that I sort of wanted to look washed out like seventies TV footage, mm-hmm. and it, it's and that was two thousand, two thousand one, something like that, maybe in there, two thousand two, yeah. and so that's when the change happened, right? Though. That was I felt yeah. like I was right in the middle of that yeah. of that change happening mm-hmm. because, and this is the other thing too that was so so interesting, and why um, an, uh, another reason I wanted to have you on the show was because. Too often, people in show business, people in filmmaking, think right. that post-production jobs are just sort of button pushers. Like I said this about editing. An editor, especially with a documentary, is so skilled. Like Tina Imahara, yeah. it's so skilled to storytelling. We've had When we had Dave Schmidt on the show, we talked about sound mix and sound design. And the, things, the little things he's done in this last final sound mix I was listening to, little things he added, the raindrops... Uh, of Sanai's interview in the background. Mm-hmm. So then, um, and I, I've always thought editing was was definitely a skill. So then talking to Tawan the first time we, well, the second or third time when we started talking about what the project, after you'd seen the footage and we had a project, when we and you had had the project for a while right. and you were familiar with what it was and we started talking about it and you were telling me how you wanted the, bringing out the color to help support the story we yeah. were telling. Yeah. That's when you know this is a skill position. Yeah. It's not just right. I want to see the red shirts and the blue shoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. Talk a little bit about that when you specifically to this project when after you saw it got familiar with it yeah. how you wanted to approach it from a color standpoint. Well, when I saw the footage 
and I loved the way it was edited. I love how the stories were coming in, and it felt very, it, it moved, it had energy. So I was just like, okay, well, we need energy. And so film, you know, actual film has energy, you mm-hmm. know, it moves. So I was like, this is like a rock documentary. So why don't I take it back to like Pink Floyd, the wall type of look, and give it that rock documentary feel throughout? Because, and then as while we're doing that, colors are popping. And you're finding a color story because those very little small details that you miss when you're just watching it flat, you know, you think, oh, this is great. When you start to see those things, you start to see more life. You start to see the person's eyes and you start to see what they're wearing, how they are part of the scene and everything like that. So with yours, I was like, okay, well, I see where they're going with this. It's very well directed. The interviews are great. It's very funny. It's alive. So the color has to be alive. So there are colors that you had in there I took out. Because they were bringing it down. When you have too much blue, it makes it depressing. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what you mean by the color story. The color story, Mm -hmm. yeah. So then there's obviously a unique story to every project. Yes. So, um, because that was the the thing that in the conversation we had is, is... and why I liked what, Tawan when you were saying that because I was like that's the dilemma and we've talked about this before in the show of, of earbuds of any documentary of talking heads mm-hmm. it runs the risk of getting boring just too many people sitting there talking that's why we wanted to move you know the, the DP Andrew Garrity did some really nice camera shots and mm-hmm. we, we wanted and then we wanted to sprinkle in as much B-roll as possible mm-hmm. to keep it moving to keep it funny so it's not just a bunch of people talking about a nerdy technology that most people don't understand right. or whatever because I know I know I said this to you is I said this to everybody especially you know Tina and everyone involved in the film is the main goal we want for this film is the non-podcast fan mm-hmm. to go, hey, what's this? Right. I know Joe Rogan from the UFC, mm-hmm. or I saw Aisha on this show, or right. whatever, or Chris Hardwick. I watch him on At right. Midnight. What's this? And then they. Get, and why we, are these people listening? I want to. Right. Why I hear on. something? You know, someone in my office podcast. They're all so into it. What the fuck's the big deal? And then get drawn into this this film and go, oh, yeah. And I feel like the conversation we, you you totally got that from a from a color standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what an over what makes an overall film yeah. so amazing is that all of these highly skilled people are bringing their area of expertise to tell this one story and mm-hmm. enhance it. Yeah. Um, so, th- real quick, then, what other? What am I trying to say? So, how do you approach like a documentary versus? Narrative. Narrative. That's very tricky. <clears throat> because a lot of times with the narratives, the DP is sitting in on a session or we're kind of like setting looks. Or uh, if the DP is absentee, I'll, I'll call the production designer or the costume designer and the director. I'm like, well, what was your goal? What was the color goal for this? And then I'll, then I'm like, well, I want to watch the film. And I want to watch it a few times. I like kind of have the David Fincher approach before he shoots a film. He watches it like, I mean, he reads the script like 20 times. Mm-hmm. So I'll watch the film over and over and over again. And I'll wait for a certain frame. I go, oh, shit, that right there. That's what I'm going to build the story off of. This frame right here is the story. There was a shot in your film with the girl who had... Um, Hope I can say this. I don't want to give too much. But it's probably in your trailer anyway. But the girl, she had like a um, uh, leopard type of um, uh, uh, oh, spray yeah. paint in her hair and it was spiked. Yeah. That was the shot. That was the shot right there. And I said, that's the film. That's the color of the film. Because it just had that feel. And then I was like, this is going to set the tone. So a lot of times with 
a film. I, I, I so you f- want the film to look like a stripper? Is no, it? I'm oh. just <laughs> so why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's the color story. That's the color story. <laughs> why not? Yeah, so, but with with um, with every film, I, I try to find what the DP and the director are trying to say. Mm-hmm. If not them, then the production designer and the uh, costume designer. And if they're not even available, no one knows. I figure it out on my own. Sure, right. But with documentaries, it's really the how can I say the um, the premise, uh, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So I have to do it. With, you know, I just go that way. And a lot of times, I'm just color correcting. I'm not really trying to give a look for a documentary. Mm-hmm. However, there are ones like yours that I'm like. This deserve its own particular look. So when someone says, "You remember that movie uh, Airbuds? I want my film to look like that," you know, or if they say the movie Three Hundred, I want my film to look like Three Hundred because it's a particular look. It's a uh, brand, actually. Yeah, right. So yeah. with narratives, I try to find that story, and it's maybe it's a particular character that's sitting and they frame it a certain way, and I'll go, "Okay, I go to DP. You know what? I know you shot it this way, and you wanted ultra saturated." But his life is really fucked up. Why are you giving him so much color? You don't have to go black and white, but anything that's of a significant value, let's mute it. Right, a muted color palette. Yeah, not not throughout, but just things that and the guy, that character likes, mute everything that he likes mm. until the film changes and we slowly bring that in and oh, bring him down. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, God, God I love that. Uh, I love yeah. that. I love those aspects of filmmaking. That, yeah. That's awesome to hear. Um I think that's our show, dude. Yeah, that was that, that was, was awesome. fantastic, mm-hmm. man. That was awesome. A lot uh, of uh, really interesting discussions and opinions bandied back and forth. Uh, and you got, you know, all you guys listening, you know, want to hear what you have to say about the Oscars and the things we talked about Definitely. in the show. Let's uh, because our message boards and our um, our website is uh, fully functional again. You could use the Amazon links, the message boards. Everything is uh, good to go, and you can see the writers' names on the articles. So uh, check it out. Use the uh, use the message boards, Facebook, Twitter, however you want to contact. Because I, I think too, like um, you know, I think America needs to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and and everyone needs to sit at the table and be willing to hear the other's opinions. Not just race, politics, whatever. That's so. The, the mainstream media is so like red state, blue state, fight, go. Like, well, there, yeah, there's money in that. There, yeah, there's of course. There's real good money in that. Yeah. There's real good money in showing the fight or mm-hmm. the riot or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah that's what we said. <laughs> we talked about it at uh, the Academy Awards show. Spotlight also shows. Um, uh, that there was a time when we used to have journalists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actual yeah, journalists. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, support independent journalists, Not guys. People pay- yelling in, uh, in, in basic cable shows. Yeah, so that's what, you know, because, and again, going back to, to you, you and I talked about this, Tawan, is don't we all want to just get to the place where I like this movie? Yeah. Just that's it. That's it. Good movie. Right. You know, like, like in, in comedy, we talk about this person's funny. Yeah. You know, uh, Aisha Tyler, I don't. She's not a funny black female comic. She's a funny comic. Right. That happens to be a black woman. That's part of her act, but not all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Maria Bamford isn't the funny bipolar comic. Yeah. <laughs> she's just hilarious and talks about that. Um, Doug Benson's a stoner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but even that isn't his whole act. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, that's cool, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for thanks ha- for having me. Yeah, it's dude. Fun. This was great. great. And then, so can do you? Can people find you online? Do you have a website or how can people do they, uh, say they want you to uh, color uh, be the colors for their film? How would they do that? 
Well, um, I'm on. I have a Facebook fan page. Sweet. Yeah. What is so, it? So it's basically Facebook and it's Tuan Bazemore. Facebook.com. Swa- oh, filmmaker Tuan Bazemore. Ah, <laughs> nice. So that's how someone would reach out to get a yeah. hold of you. Yeah, or just on Facebook. You can, okay. You can, you can add me. I don't have that many friends <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> and you can see his IMDb page. Uh, there will be an earbuds IMDb page. You have to get. Once you get uh, accepted into a major festival, it automatically happens. It'll yeah. it'll start to populate. That's yeah. why people are like, "How come you guys haven't set one up?" We're just it, waiting. It's for th- it's on its way. That'll happen. Mm-hmm. So Tawana will be in that, and that's and that's that's our festival coordinators. Yeah, uh, that's, that's under her purview. That's Kimberly. <laughs> She's taking care of it. And I, I just want to say this: I didn't make the film, so I'm just coloring. I'm a hired gun, so I don't have to say it's good. No, no, you don't. You just have to make sure the check clears. It's fucking amazing. Oh, thanks. thanks. Uh, You know, I really, you know, when it comes, I think people are going to really, really, really love it. And I'm not fucking with you because what am I going to gain from it? It's a really great film. So, you know, I really hope that people will check it out. And I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, dude, I, I I appreciate that. And and he is he is not lying because we're independent filmmakers. So. Our check might bounce. Will we ever be able to hire him again? He doesn't need to kiss our ass. He's got ABC. He's got networks hiring him. He doesn't need our yeah. our, our broke bullshit. Um, so yeah, uh, well, and, he's delivering in resolutions that no one believes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this is awesome. Uh, this is one of our my. This is my. This is a really fun. This episode. is one of my mm-hmm. more favorite Oscar breakdowns. We do an yes. Oscar mm-hmm. breakdown every year. After after the house, this was great. Uh, so, Tawan Bazemore, thank you so much. Visit him on uh, Facebook, you guys. Filmmaker Tawan Bazemore. Filmmaker Tawan Bazemore. Um, and of course, uh, thank you guys for all the support. Go to rabble.tv uh, if you want to uh, listen to our Oscar commentary. That's mm-hmm. the only place it'll live. You won't be able to get it anywhere else. Um, buy, and then buy a mattress. Buy a Casper mattress. <laughs> use our coupon code. Uh, you guys truly at the Oscars showed why you are such amazing fans. You you rallied and made us look so great. Yeah, we really appreciate it. it. You guys so- showed up. So thank you guys so much um, for uh, for supporting us and you know like us on Facebook. Uh, all those things you can do for free, man. Positive iTunes reviews, those help. Those get us up in the rankings. It's getting, great. Getting yeah. us up in the rankings gets us more downloads, which gets us more sponsors, yeah, which if you're gets buying, us more cool things. Exactly. I mean, there's so many ways to help. If you per, Obviously, buy stuff in the store. We appreciate it. There is some donation tiers. We had a couple of people email. We already have like the stuff we want. Can we just give you 10 bucks? There's donation tiers. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, also, um, there's the Amazon links and the iTunes links are back up. If you're going to buy something there anyway, go through our affiliate links. And like Graham is saying, there's plenty of free ways to uh, to help yep. as well. All those, all those, as we've said before, all those follows, likes, those new, th- those have a uh, those help. They have there's a there's a there's a monetization attached to those numbers. The, yes. the bigger they are, the more they help. So you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. My name's Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han shot first. <laughs>